before I get into my message today, I've got to be honest. I've, I've got to say I'm really tired today. I am, I am tired because last night there was a mouse in my house. There was a mouse in my house, and it was not only in my house, it was in our bedroom. Okay, it was a bedroom. And I want to tell you, it was making so much noise, I didn't know if it was a cat or a rat or a mouse, I didn't know. And, then, and so, so about, I don't know, to, what was it, two, two o'clock in the morning, Again, we've got a fan going. It's one of our, our relics from India or just one of the things that we, we need to do. We like the sound of the fan. But I could hear it sound like a dripping tap. And I was like, but what is it? It was there, and then it was over there. I was like, it can't be a tap. Is there a leak in the roof? And then I said, we turned the fan off, and then we could hear this. And I was like, I think it's a mouse. I think it's a mouse. And so the noise is there. It's, it's in the wall. I'm standing up. I'm, I'm looking around. Then Anita's standing up. I'm uh, looking around. Then she's turning the light. And I'm like, just Something's, something's in the wall, something's in the... Thing. And then, then, then she's like, it's down here, right by my bed, right by my bed. We can hear it. <laughs> you know? and, and, and then it suddenly was over this side, and I'm like, okay, turn the light off, turn the light off. And then we, we were like, where is it? Then we wait for a little bit. Then we get in like, And so right, I'm, 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 I'm going to find this. And then we turn the light back on. And then I, I, we, we, we saw, because it's like, it's actually a mouse in the bedroom somewhere. We didn't know where it was. We lifted the beds. We did, we're, I mean, we're making a lot. Anita's checking that it's not eating the chocolates in the wall. We, we know where the chocolates are hidden uh, in the room next door. And, but anyway, was, we, 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 then we saw it. We saw the doors on, on our bathroom and on our, the, the entrance have been gnawed away. And so paints, yeah, yeah, I'm talking, this was a serious mouse, I'm telling you. I was like, that's why I thought it was a rat first. I thought it was a rat. I was like, this, this dude is serious. And it was gnawing our doors. I'm like, it's chipped bits off. There's paint on the floor. Paint. So I'm like, okay, so I'm going downstairs. We're setting traps. We're getting bait. I'm going downstairs, get my bike hel t torch helmet because he knows when, I, when we step up, he can see us. So he takes off. But this time I got him with my torch. I went to his gnawing. I switched it, switched it on. And there he was, a mouse, and he went and hid. And so anyway, he was gnawing at the door, so we decided, look, let's just open the doors and let him free, and he went uh, uh, three. So that was about three hours later. <laughs> so I'm just telling you right here today, I'm tired and I'm mad, and if that comes out in the sermon, just feel, just go with the, go with the flight. It's been a heck of a long, heck of a long night. I, I mean, I woke up at 6.30, get ready for the service, and then suddenly Anita goes at 7 o'clock. I was like, I just, so, so here I am. Here I am today, and it's good to be here. I, just want, to, I want to tell you. So as I said last week, I, um, uh, as I said last week, I want to continue the conversation around what I've called the second and final part, because you get sick of talking about this, what I've called the traffic, traffic lights. And I, I, I do want to take a moment and thank all of those who did uh, uh, write to me and, and commented, on, commented on, especially the, those online who wrote from other churches as well. Uh, just so much appreciated, and I'm glad it helped. That's my intention, is to uh, help people. And as I explained last week, I really am just talking about my journey, my life, some of the struggles, some of the wrestles I'm having as a leader in this uh, current COVID-obsessed environment. And so that, 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 that really, I'm just talking about the things I'm wrestling with theologically, ethically, morally, uh, as we approach uh, the date where the government's, I think, flawed system, uh, uh, traffic light system will be implemented with its uh, mandates, vaccine certificates coming into force. As I said last week, the current level system that we're in, although we don't always like it, the current level system that is in play is a level playing field. 
It's a level playing field where we're all equal. What happens to you happens to me. If the whole, if one, if the city's in lockdown, the whole city's uh, in lockdown. There's no difference. We're a team of five million. Be kind. But my wrestle pulls for effect. My wrestle moving forward is the traffic light system and all that goes with it will create two different classes of people where a segment of our society will become a modern-day leper to be avoided, banned, shunned, cast out, deemed untouchable. And and listen, uh, friends, dividing our nation into worthy and unworthy, I'm, I'm just saying it should not be. It should not be. So I'm just me. I don't know what you think, but this is just me. That's what I think. Our Prime Minister in an interview has clearly acknowledged that this is what uh, she is wanting uh, to do. She's made it clear. And as, as a faith leader, this is my struggle. I, I go, what do I do with this? What, I, what, what do I do with this? Because I think it's morally, morally wrong. If you were to ask the question, where does such thinking, where does such thinking lead when you, when you divide a society like this? Where does it lead? Well, it leads to questions like this being asked by News Hub in a survey this week. In a survey they did, they asked this question. It was this. Should the government deny free medical treatment to the unvaccinated COVID patients? And so as I read that, quite frankly, I felt, what the hell kind of question? I'm tired and I'm mad. What the hell kind of question is that? I I can't even believe as a nation we're even asking such a question. Well, I know there might be some here who say, well, that's a consequence of their choice. But where's the logic in that? I mean, really, where is the logic? Apply that logic to other conditions that tax the health system. Your smoking-related illness, taking all those coffin nails year after year. Well, the problem you're facing is your ripped, the cancer's ripping through your body. That's, a, that, that's your fault. You made that choice. You made that. Think about other, I mean, that drinking habit that you've got, that excessive drinking that has led to this condition. Your choice has caused this. So we're not going to help you. You need to pay your way. (laughs) Your overeating has led to your obesity. No help for you unless you you pay your way. That that, that, that STD, and for those who don't know, because you're good church people, that STD, sexually transmitted disease, I'm sorry, we're getting it real here today, people. That's a result of your choice to live a promiscuous lifestyle. So you don't deserve treatment. You don't deserve treatment. You need to pay your way if you want to treatment. I mean, when you think about that, we would never deny people that treatment. Why? Because it's just not the Kiwi way. It's not the Kiwi way. And, and, And can I say, I'm so glad that the survey results overwhelmingly reflected that it's not the Kiwi way. People were like, absolutely Absolutely not. So part of me today, as I vent a little, I'm just letting it out. I'm just, like I'm saying, these are the things I'm wrestling with. I don't know what you're wrestling with. This is what I'm wrestling with. So part of me while I vent. See, for me, last week, euthanasia, assisted suicide, became legal in this country. And what blows my mind is that in this nation, a person can now choose, they can now choose to end their life if they want, fully funded by the government. By the way, palliative care is not fully funded, but you can end your life fully funded 
by the government. You can make that choice, yet people can't choose whether or not to take a vaccine. Think about it. Now, I'm not, as I said, I'm not anti-vax. I'm vaccinated. This is about the, the people's freedom to be able to make medical choices for themselves. And please don't tell me they have a choice. I saw a post this week someone put on. said, not forcing you, just taking everything away from you until you consent. No jab, no job. That's the way people say, oh, no, it's not really going to be that. It is that. That's exactly what it is. That's the language that's being used. And so no jab, no job. You're taking away a person's ability to feed their family, to pay their mortgage, to earn their living. Good people, healthy people. Friends, I want to tell you, taking things away from people till they say yes is not a choice. It is coercion. It is morally wrong. Even dare I say it, if it's legal to do so. And I want to take a moment here and say to those who have in this church also shared their sadness and heartache and losing their jobs, the jobs that they love, this coming week, my heart and our hearts go out to you. Others who have let me know, leaders in hospitals, who've let me know how they've been placed into the extremely difficult position of terminating good people's, healthy people's employment. I mean, it's tough. And I want to, I, I, I don't know if the nation's understood this. I don't know if the government's understood. This is going to affect multiplied thousands of people. Friends, I want to be respectful to the government. I understand Romans chapter 13, verse 1, and I said I'd talk about this this week. I understand, Ru uh, I was going to say Reuben's 30, 13, no, Reuben hasn't written any books in the Bible. <laughs> Romans 13, verse 1, we know it. Everyone must. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. In the King James Version, it says those, have, instead of those who are placed there, it says those who are, they are ordained, uses the word ordained by God and ordained means invested with authority to act. And so I just want to give a few thoughts on this passage because because I want you to understand my wrestle. I want you to understand my struggle. I want you to understand my battle as a faith leader. And there are some in the Christian community, and there's, there's many different thoughts on this. There are some who are saying, look, this passage is clear. We as Christians should just buckle down. We should just buckle down, and we shouldn't be protesting. We shouldn't be pushing back on that which the government is requiring. Governing authorities, they say, are established, ordained by God. It's there in black and white, pastor. It's plain and simple. But I do need to say this, and this is my wrestle. As believers, we should always be careful to avoid building doctrine from one isolated passage of Scripture. We need to always weigh this up in the light of the whole biblical narrative, which helps bring balance to the conversation. And for me, a simple jog through the Bible, just a quick character study of a few of the Bible's most famous people would help us see that there are times 
when you need to take a stand, when you need to challenge those in authority. In Exodus, Moses challenged the authority of the day when he told the great Pharaoh of Egypt, let my people go. He was reluctant. He wasn't sure if he was the right one for the job, but he did it anyway. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, we see three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to comply and respectfully challenged the then government of King Nebuchadnezzar by refusing to bow down. And for that, they were thrown into the fiery furnace for their disobedience. And then we have, of course, Daniel himself in Daniel chapter 6, who faithfully worked for King Darius and the Babylonian government when a temporary, just 30-day edict was issued, stating that you can only pray to the king. You cannot pray to anyone else. You can pray to no other god. Daniel did not comply. He did not say, well, it's just for 30 days. I'm just going to lie low. I won't, I won't put my head up. He, he, that's not what he did. He carried on. The Bible tells us he read about the edict, and then he carried on as was his custom. He went to his window, opened his window, faced Jerusalem, and prayed anyway. And for that, he was thrown to the lions. Peter and John were arrested in Acts chapter 4, preaching. They were commanded by the government authorities of that day to stop. Then, it says in Acts 4 verse 18, then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. Or as for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. We could go on and on. We could talk about Elijah, Samuel, Esther, the prophets. And of course, Paul himself the Apostle Paul spent a lot of his time locked up for upsetting the powers that be. A good portion of the New Testament was penned in prison or under house arrest, if you like. And so these stories over the centuries have inspired men and women over the ages to stand up and say no more. On Tuesday... I joined with thousands of people in Wellington. And I went for three reasons. Number one, because I don't agree, number one reason, I don't agree with the mandates and what it is doing to good people, how it's destroying people's lives. And that is the only vehicle provided at this point of time, because I'm sick of writing letters. And that is the only vehicle in the nation at the moment that I can say that could uh, provide a vehicle for me to publicly express that. The second reason I went is that there is nothing quite like riding and ripping through town with hundreds of other, shall we say, motorcycle <laughs> enthusiasts. In fact, when I was going on there, I texted my friend Stacy Riker up in Levin. I said, bro, are there any bikes going in? I wouldn't mind a ride. He's like, yeah, there's about 50 of us putting stands up. At Levin at 9.30, I said, I'll catch you on the way. And I went straight, got my Harley, went straight out, filled it up with gas, rode it back to my home, parked it in the garage, and it broke down. <laughs> and so I started going, as you would. 
Lord, do you want me to go to this? Lord, because I couldn't get it started. My wife comes down and says, does the Lord want you to go to this? I said, I've been asking the same question. And then I remembered that my son-in-law right next door has a Triumph 1600cc Thunderbird. And so I asked him, son-in-law, no pressure, would you lend your father-in-law your Triumph Thunderbird? Because you've got to have the right bike for the, for the meeting. And he said, yes. I said, thank you, Jesus. The Lord wants me to go. And so I grabbed, jumped on with a whole lot of guys here, and we headed, headed into town. It was a very interesting bunch of people. Let me just say that. I was riding with vicars, headhunters, Satan slaves, nomads, and all kinds of other illustrious members of society. And so we rode in. And as I got there into town, we stopped on one of the streets. I don't know where it was, Lambton Key or somewhere. And then, I, uh, then, then one of the guys at the front, not everyone, just one guy, he started doing a burnout and like the smoke's coming out. And then it dawned on me why I was on Kyle's bike. Because I watched the police filming different number plates. I realized, I realized by revelation of the Holy Ghost, that the reason the Lord didn't want me riding on my Harley is because he did not want me to get in trouble. He wanted Kyle <laughs> to get in trouble. And I just stood right there in the middle of the smoke of that burnout and I said, Lord, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. That was the second reason I went. And the third reason, I simply wanted to see and experience it for myself. So what did I experience? A large peaceful gathering of Kiwis. This is my experience. It may not be everyone's, but a large peaceful, very large peaceful gathering of Kiwis from all walks of life. There were atheists and agnostics. There were rich and poor. There were doctors and lawyers. There were teachers and trainers. There were nuts and nutters. <laughs> there were some weed smokers and joint tokers. I recognize the spell, smell from the old days. There were gangs and grannies walking together side by side. There were mums and dads with prams and kids in tow. I met firefighters from my own station. They're not believers. And they're probably going to lose their job. I met other firefighters from around the country. People came up and said, thank you. There was a buzz and a joy and a celebra celebratory kind of mood in the place. Riding through Wellington, I read in stuff that, uh, that the sound of the bikes created palpable fear. You know what I saw? I saw people rushing out of their shops with their cameras, people walking in the middle of the crowd, high-fiving, giving a, uh, giving a fist punch, waving. That's been my experience. Those gathered were Maori, Pakia, Pacific Islander, and more. You see, it was, just, it was just a good cross-section of everyday, run-of-the-mill, concerned Kiwis who also said, what the heck are those Trump flags doing there? <laughs> and let me tell you, the organizer, organizers of that had asked for only one flag, the New Zealand flag, to be flown. But there's always someone. And so we're standing there going, what the heck is that doing there? But all that proves is that it's a great cross-section of New Zealand 
society. And as I thought about it, I actually got quite emotional in the middle of it. Because I thought that here is gathered men of every creed and race who were gathered there before thy face, saying a karakia, the Lord bless this place, and shouting, God defend our free land. That's what I experienced. That's what I saw. And I haven't posted anything about it. I haven't said anything about it. But the reason I speak about it today is because of the absolute disgusting treatment that the media gave. Gave it. For me, as a faith leader, me being there was just me trying to navigate through these very murky waters. Of course, the Prime Minister dismissed it as a very small group. It's just a small, it's just a minority group. It's just a, just a small group. But a small mouse can disturb a big house. A small mouse can disturb a big house. And all we were doing was gnawing on the door. Gnawing on the door till it opened. See, the difficult part for me and other leaders is determining where is the line. Where is the line? When, when is it crossed? And I, I'm desperately, please understand, so pray for us. I'm desperately trying to figure this out for myself because there are so many different ways, maybe better ways to, to approach the problems that we're facing as a nation rather than dividing us, dividing families. I was talking to my pastor friend in Sydney. He called me about another matter and I just said, how's it going there? He told me about what's happening there. The government there have not chosen to divide. It's in Sydney. have not chosen to separate or divide church attendance into different groups of people. Churches, everyone can go. Everyone does have to wear uh, uh, masks. One of, the, one of the things he said is uh, vaxxed people are allowed to sing. Unvaxxed people are not allowed to sing. Both are wearing masks. But I said, I bet you there's some rogue singers under those, those masks right there. I bet you just tell you tell you right now, but they haven't divided. They've asked that, that people, they are, that they've understood that we shouldn't be dividing, dividing things. And so church, anyone can go. But when I explained to him the our soon to be implemented traffic light system, and it's coming up quicker, maybe it will come sooner rather than later. He said this, he said, in Sydney, there is some differences between the freedoms that the vaxxed person has as uh, with the non-vaxxed. But he said, but it's only for a time. It's only for a time. Because what has been declared is once they reach the desired percentage of vaccinated people, those limitations will be lifted and all people can go about their business together freely. You see, when I hear that, I, I go just clearly, our system, of course, is the complete opposite. Our system is the complete opposite of that. Once we reach the desired percentage of people vaccinated, 90%, our government wants to introduce limitations and separations 
on unvaccinated people. So they can't participate normally in society. I mean, it should be safer, right? But they won't be able to participate in society as normal, and there is no end in sight. Right now, we're under 90%. There is no limitation. When we are at 90%, then ours will kick in. I don't get the logic of that. Someone said this. The media are currently painting a bizarre picture where the vaccinated are protected from COVID but not protected from the unvaccinated. So what does this mean for us as a church? Well, this is what I feel like. In my mind, I find myself rapidly approaching a very busy intersection with traffic lights, red, orange, and green. Not knowing what the lights will be when I get there. And as I approach, I'm trying to figure out, we as the leadership are trying to figure out which lane I should be in so as I can be ready for the direction we want to go. Which lane should we prepare to take? And to help us figure that out, what we are going to do as a church is number one, as I've said, we're going to respectfully or be respectful of the government and their efforts. There's, we're still trying to work out, as I said, I'm still trying to work out where the line is. So we will be respectful of the government and their efforts. Work out, try and work out where the line is. Number two, we need to clarify our direction. How are we going to do that? Well, A, we will begin by sending out this week should be in your email, checking your junk box if it doesn't appear. Sometimes it goes in there. We will be sending out a short anonymous survey and try and get the lay of the land and try and understand uh, what people are thinking who are part and make, who make up a part of this church. We want to get your thoughts on the way ahead. We want to get that to you this week. B, we want to clarify the key principles that will guide us in our decision-making which will be probably one, the great commandment, that we will love God and love our neighbor as our self. And on a practical level, two, one of our priorities and, and, and principles that we want to be governed by, our people's safety and well-being really matters. So we'll be governed by that in our decision. And three, we want to make sure all who want to be in church can be in church. That's what will probably guide us. And so the, in the days ahead and the keyboard can come, it will require some grace, some patience, some perseverance and understanding. But as Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, let us consider how let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. Another version says not neglecting meeting together. Another version says not 
forsaking, the assembling of yourselves together. And finally, can I ask you to pray? Pray for your leaders. Pray for our nation. Pray for its people. For there will be difficult days ahead. But remember, you're not alone. And he's got you in his grip. Psalm 121 says this. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Both now and forevermore. I pray you've heard my heart today. As I've listened to people's stories not just in this church, but in other parts of New Zealand who have written to me. Just saying this week, I've finished up my job. Or this week, I've got to terminate good people, healthy people. Got to understand the heartache is real. I know for many, maybe it doesn't affect you. Lives are being destroyed right now. And I don't know about you as a pastor, as a shepherd. I just can't idly sit by and say nothing. So I've said my piece. I'm just going to keep gnawing at the door until it opens and somebody will lift it. Please stand. Place your hands out like this if you'd like. Because I speak the ancient blessing as a minister of the gospel over your life. Especially in these days. May we seek him more. May we grapple with that which is coming. And prepare our hearts for that which is ahead. May the Lord bless you, your family, your grandparents, your sons and your daughters, your children, 
and your children's children. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray for every business person in this place today, every governmental leader in this place today. Father, give them wisdom, give them understanding in their areas of authority, enable them to navigate carefully. Lord, may we hear your voice in the midst of confusing days. To those who employ people, Father, help them to to know what to do, to navigate through difficult times. For those who have lost their jobs, who have made a decision, a choice, Father, we pray you be with them, you provide for them, you look after them. May they know your grace and favor on their life. Give them peace. Give us all peace, your peace that surpasses understanding. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Can we give Jesus a clap offering? Thank you. Thank you.